You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. This podcast series is based on 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. You know, I can't say that enough. We always triumph in Christ Jesus. We always win. Come on, say, I win. Let's make it personal. Say, I am a winner. And you know what? Winners win. And because you're in Christ, you always win. Now, we're going to be doing something really special today. It's going to be just absolutely wonderful. I was sharing with the team here a few moments ago. I can't wait to hear it myself. You know, I prepare these lessons, but when I get in it, boy, I tell you the Spirit of God begins to reveal things. So we're talking about the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, April the 8th, 2020, just a few weeks ago, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Okay. On the 19th, I preached that sermon on a Sunday, the acceptable year of the Lord. On this podcast series, I am actually taking the lesson that I taught that Sunday and I am filling in the gaps. I am taking four sessions, four lessons, four episodes to give information. Some information we'll review, other information. I'll plug in some things I didn't have time to say on that first uh, sermon or that first lesson. So in our last episode, episode one, we talked about the historical background, and you can always go back and listen to these podcasts, so I don't have any time to review on that. We went back, talked about the historical context of the acceptable year of the Lord. Today, we're going to talk from this subject, Jesus is our jubilee. Jesus is our jubilee. Now, if you got your Bibles or, or your mobile device, however you uh, get to Luke chapter 4, we're going to look at Luke chapter 4, verses 14 down through verse 30. 14 down through verse 30. 30. I'm going to read a portion, then we're going to talk about it, and then I'll read some other scriptures. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do three things today. Three things. First, we're going to look at the text. Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes into his hometown and he preaches his uh, platform, his agenda. We're going to look at the text. We're going to look at the historical context. Then secondly, I'm going to give you some spiritual insights from the text. And then thirdly, I'm going to attempt to answer a question that people are asking. 
We're in a crisis season. We're in a time of the coronavirus, COVID-19. It is a global health crisis. It is a global economic crisis. So there are many individuals asking the question, is God judging us? Is God judging the world? Is God judging America? We want to deal with that. Is this the end times spoken of uh, in Revelations? We're going to deal with that because that those are questions that people are asking. So the first part now, I'm going to be moving because I got to get to this last question. I got to get to that. So we're going to we're going to move. Let's look at the historical context of Jesus beginning his ministry and he goes to his hometown. It begins in Luke chapter four. I'm going to be reading from the authorized King James Version verses 14 down through verse 21. Look at the 14th verse, Luke four. Verse 14, the traditional King James says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath, and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias, and that word Esaias mean Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was ready. Here's his agenda. Verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Verse 19. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them were in the, that were in the synagogue was fastened on him. Verse 21. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So let's summarize our text quickly. In verse 14 and 15, verse 14 and 15 of the text, we see several things. We see Jesus moving out into his ministry, and the Bible says it, he moved in the power. He returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see the power of his ministry was the Holy Spirit. He had received this power in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. We see also the location of, of his ministry. The Bible says Galilee. Now, 14 more months prior to that, he began his ministry in Jerusalem and Judea. But at this point, he's ministering throughout the region of Galilee. We also thirdly see the impact of his ministry. The Bible says that his fame spread abroad. There were many healings, many miracles, many de deliverances 
taking place all over the region of Galilee. And then finally, we see the reception of his ministry. The Bible says he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. The people all around the region was receiving him, welcoming him. And he was preaching basically the same message but the power of God was released and lives were changed. And then in verse 16 and 17, he goes to his hometown, say hometown. This where's homeboys are. This is where his relatives are. This is where he went to school and where he was brought up and everybody knew uh, Jesus in this area. So he goes into Nazareth, verse 16 and 17, his hometown. And the Bible says, as his custom was, he entered into the synagogue on the Sabbath. That's very interesting. We can't stay there long. But even though in this time, there was great corruption in the synagogues and in the religious systems of, of their time. There was corruption in leadership. There, there was immorality. It was a lack of compassion on the part of leaders. But the Bible says it was Jesus' custom to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. In other words, he didn't allow what was happening in the church to stop him from going to church. And he attended regularly. That's a good, that we could preach off that, but we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. Well, in the synagogue, they, they had a format, if you will, and they would have a time of worship. They will have a time of prayer and they will have a time of reading the scriptures. They would read the, uh, a portion of the law and then they would read the prophets. Well, the manager or the ruler of the synagogue was not literally like the uh, speaker, like the pastor in local churches normally is the primary speaker. Well, in the synagogue, they would have visiting speakers visiting rabbis who would speak. So after the reading of the law, Jesus was, get, was asked to read the prophets. Well, he asked for the scroll and he searched and found the scroll and the portion of the scroll where Isaiah was uh, written. And he chose Isaiah 61, which was interesting because it was a messianic uh, text. In other words, it was a text that was referencing the coming Messiah. And then in verses 18 through 21, he gave his mission, his agenda, his platform. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now follow me. He's anointed me, number one, to preach the gospel, good news to the poor. That's the poor spiritually, but not just spiritually. It was the poor in their circumstances and their conditions. A part of Jesus' ministry was to preach good news to poor people, not just spiritually poor, but economically poor. Secondly, he said that he was sent to heal the brokenhearted. Now, the brokenhearted were those who had been shattered in their thoughts, in their minds. His platform was also geared toward those who had, listen at this, mental issues, mental problems, 
uh, mental deficiencies, mental illnesses, whether it be nerves breakdowns, Alzheimer's, dementia, neurosis, psychosis, schizophrenia, all kinds of mental issues. Jesus said that he was sent to heal those who were broken in their minds. And then thirdly, he said that he came to preach deliverance to the captives, those who were overtaken by demonic influence oppression, possession, addictions, bondages. He came to deliver people from all these types of captivity. Then fourthly, he said that I was sent to recover sight to the blind. In other words, I came to minister to those who had physical sicknesses and disabilities, physical sickness and disabilities. And then uh, fifthly, he was sent to set at liberty those that, who were broken, those who were bruised. This is emotional issues. In other words, he was sent to, to deliver those who were hurt, who had gone through some form of calamity, whether it was divorce or catastrophes or war or laws, or uh, uh, they were hurt by religion. In other words, there's a difference between a broken arm, he was sent to heal those who were broken, and a bruised arm. When he was sent to heal the broken, that, that was mental issues. When he was sent to heal the bruise or set at liberty the bruise, that was emotional issues. So we see his platform covered a lot of things from those who were poor spiritually and economically. He was sent to deliver those who had mental issues or illnesses. He was sent to heal those who were captives. He was sent to heal those who were had physical disabilities, physical sicknesses. And then he was sent to heal those who had emotional issues in their lives. So he had this, this great platform. Jesus came to deal with all the problems mankind had suffered after the fall. And then finally, he said that he was sent to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And we've discovered that that meant cancellation of debt, freedom from debt bondage, and in all kinds of debt, he was sent to set people free. I'm moving kind of fast, but I, I'm going to give you some spiritual insights in just a moment. Let's look at verse 22 through verse 30. And let's see whether they received his message or not. In verse 22, it says, And all bear him witness and wondered at the precious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we've heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your hometown, in your country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But to none of them was he sent. With Elijah sent except to Zarephath, 
a seed of Zion unto a woman that was a widow. Verse 27. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Nathan, the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city, led him unto the brow of the hill, whereupon the city was built, that they might cast him headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. So we see Jesus comes into his hometown. He communicates his platform. And then we see several things took place. He ran into, number one, the problem of familiarity. They said, listen, who do he think he is? We know his mama. We know his daddy before he died. We know his brothers. We know his sisters. We saw him playing around in the dust. Who do he think he is? So Jesus ran into the problem of familiarity. They were so familiar with him that they didn't re recognize his anointing. They didn't re recognize who he was. They recognized him naturally, but they did not recognize him spiritually. Another thing that Jesus ran into was unbelief. Well, if, if, you, if, you, if you, who you say you are, then do a miracle for us. Do what we've heard you've, doing, you've done in other places. Do it here in unbelief. Unbelief. They didn't believe the message. So Jesus wasn't going around just, just wiping, sending out miracles to people who didn't believe the message. And then he gave them two Old Testament instances where God sent his prophet not to Israel because of their unbelief. He sent his prophets to Gentiles. He sent his prophet Elijah to Zarephath, that widow down there who was about to eat her last meal. She was a Gentile. And then he sent Elijah to Naaman, who was also a Gentile. So the Jews in that time thought, thought very little of Gentiles, women, harlots, publicans. I mean, it, it, the moment he mentioned Gentiles and God sent his prophet to Gentiles, they got angry. And we see the anger and the rejection. They took him to a hill and they was getting ready to cast him over. And miraculous, he just walked right through him, which tells us Satan can't stop your destiny. No matter what he throws at you, they were trying to kill him, but they couldn't kill him because Satan can't stop. Come on, say that. Satan, Satan can't stop my destiny. The Bible says he walked right back through the midst of them. Okay. I want to give you some, and I move kind of fast through that, but I want to give you some spiritual insights. And then I want to, I want to talk about this judgment thing. Number one, what we have here is Jesus announced that he was the Messiah, the one that Isaiah chapter 61 was referring to, which was all the people had been waiting on the Messiah. And here a hometown boy stood up in front of him and said, I'm the one that you've been waiting on. I'm the one that Isaiah was talking about. I am the Messiah. That's number one. Number two, he announced that he was the fulfillment 
of the Old Testament celebration of Jubilee. The Old Testament celebration, as we said in our last episode, was a type of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said that I am the fulfillment of the Old Testament celebration. Thirdly, he gives his platform in, in, in his hometown. And this was the same platform that he was sharing. Every, in other words, Jesus preached this message everywhere he went. Everywhere he went, he would say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, the recovering of sight to the blind, to deliver the captive. He would preach this everywhere he went. And his platform was deliverance from poverty, deliverance from bondages, disabilities, oppression, and debt. And fourthly, Jesus said, I am the Jubilee. Jesus was declaring that Jubilee really is a person. Jubilee is a person. Now, remember the order in the historical context was always forgiveness, the atonement. Then they would blow the trumpet, jubilee. Forgiveness, then jubilee. And so Jesus is saying now, I came to restore everything that was lost in the fall. I came to restore everything that was lost in the fall. I came to restore everything that was lost in the fall. That is powerful. Now listen at this statement. Since Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, when we receive Jesus into our lives, confess him as our Lord, we, listen to me carefully, enter into the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable, listen, Christian, you're born again. You're born again. Jubilee is not just an event. Jubilee is a person. The event was speaking to the person. When you receive Jesus Christ into your life, you enter into jubilee. Jubilee is in you. Jubilee is now. Come on, say that. Jubilee is now. Come on, say that. Jubilee is now. Think about it. Atonement, which means to cover sin. Then they blew the trumpet. Jubilee. Well, think about it. Atonement meant to cover sin. Jesus didn't just cover our sins. He washed away, remitted our sins. So think about it. The 
sin has been dealt with. All I'm doing now is blowing the trumpet. Now, I want to say this before I get over into this question about judgment. For you, the believer, this year is not the year of the coronavirus. And I want you to get this out of your vocabulary. I don't want you to ever say again, 2020 is the year of the coronavirus. No, 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 no. It's the year of the coronavirus for the world. It is the acceptable year of the Lord for you. If you are a believer, if you are a Christian, this is the acceptable year of the Lord for you. What you should be saying is not, this is the year of the, we ain't going to never forget this year because this was the year of the, no, 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 no. Change it. Let's change it. We're never going to forget this year because we learned that this year was the year of Jubilee. We learned that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. That's why God said, now you preach that. You, you, you don't preach coronavirus. Don't preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Preach that. Preach the year of favor. This is not the year of the coronavirus for you, believer. This is the year of favor for you. This is the year that you will never forget the rest of your life if you believe it. If you, if you believe it. We see unbelief stop Israel because for most of the years, Israel didn't even obey the commands God gave in Leviticus 25. Jesus came on the scene. They didn't believe him. Well, unbelief will still stop you now. You, you've got to believe it. The trumpet is being blown. Now, I want to I take the rest of the way. And remember, your questions help me fill in the gap. You may have some questions. Well, I didn't understand that. Well, I didn't, I didn't get that. Uh, explain that. Your questions help me. They help me uh, to fill in the gap. Now, let's spend the rest of the way, the rest of the way, dealing with this question. Is God judging the, the world? You know, I'm like you. I, I, I've listened to different things and different things people are saying. I hear a lot of talk about the judgment of God. I hear sermons on the judgment of God. I, I hear that God is judging the world. So the question is, is this crisis we're in now, this coronavirus crisis that we're in right now, is this the judgment of God? Second question, are we in the end times recorded in the book of Revelation? Because I, I even heard someone take what was uh, revealed in Revelations and apply it to the day. Now, I think it's, I think it's good to share out of Revelations. I, I teach from time to time a principle or a concept out of Revelation. I don't think there's anything wrong, but I think we make a mistake when we take the book of Revelations 
and take what's happening today and say, okay, this is what's happening today because the book of Revelation told us, okay, here's my, here's my thoughts on it. I do not, come on, say, Mike does not. I do not believe that this coronavirus global thing that's going on today is God's judgment. I do not believe that. I do not believe what is happening today is evidence of what was recorded in Revelations about the end times. I do not believe that we're in the end times that John the Revelator spoke of in the book of Revelation. I just do not believe it. Okay, now, because if you're a student of the word, you have just as much right to believe otherwise and I won't try to take that right away from you. But I would like to ask several questions. And some of these questions I'm going to answer. And I'm going to answer the questions because I want you to understand why I believe that we are not in a time of judgment. And this is not the book of Revelation. It's what we're dealing with. Okay. First question. First question. Why do tragedies happen? Now, I'm going to move through these questions kind of quick. Why do tragedies happen? Well, here's my answer. Tragedies happen because of human sin, human error, the curse, and direct satanic attack. Tragedies happen in the earth because of human sin. Terrorists plant a bomb in a building, kills hundreds of people. That's human sin. Pilot falls asleep. Plane crashes, that's human error. The curse came in after Adam's sin. It impacted mankind. It brought in sickness. It brought in division. It brought in poverty. It brought in divorce. It brought in all these things on humanity, prejudice, racism. All these things were a result of the curse. The earth was also cursed. Remember, Romans chapter 8 says that the earth is experiencing corruption. So the hurricanes, the tornadoes, and all those things came in as a result of the curse. And then some things are just directly connected to Satan. Sometimes, according to Job and according to Mark 4, Satan will even manipulate the environment and weather patterns to carry out his works. So let me ask you a question. If this is judgment, what about the 30-some people who were killed in the tornado a few weeks ago? Was that God's judgment? Okay, and if it was God's judgment, why those individuals? Second question, who is God judging? Is God judging the world? Is God judging the church? 1 Peter 4, 17 says that judgment must begin at the house of God. So is God judging us? Is God judging America? And if so, what should, what should the world's response be? If he's judging, because God doesn't just judge to judge, what should the world's response be? What should the church response be? What should America's response be? Why is God judging America? Well, you said because of abortion. 
Okay. You said he's judging America because of uh, the attack against marriage, gay rights, and the gay rights movement. Oh, okay, I hear you. But what about the prejudice and racism in America? What about the prejudice and racism in the church? So if God is judging, why is he judging about this issue and not judging about that issue, not judging about this issue? Why is he silent? Why, why are the, some of the people who are talking about God judging because of abortion and judging because of gay rights and all this kind of stuff, but are saying nothing about racism and prejudice? What should be our response? What are we returning to? Okay, repentance means to re change our mind, return. What are we returning to? What are we returning to? Somebody said, we need to return to the way America was. Do we return to 400 years of slavery? What, what, what are we returning to? You see, God is not the author of confusion. If he's judging us, we need to know why he's judging us, and we need to know what our response should be. Third question. Are we in the tribulation period? Because when you take what is recorded in Revelations and say that's what's happening now, then you're saying that we're in the tribulation period. I don't think we're in the tribulation period. Do you believe that the church is going through the tribulation period? Maybe you do. I don't. I don't believe that the church is going through the tribulation period. I believe that the church will be raptured before that seven-year tribulation period takes place. So, so are we in the tribulation period? Does a fourth question, does God deliver his people when he brings judgment? Does God deliver his people when he brings judgment? So, okay, God is judging. Where's the deliverance? Because when I read in history, judgment came through a flood. God gave instructions to Noah and delivered Noah. Judgment came to Sodom and Gomorrah. God got Lot and his family out. Now his wife turned back, but God got him out. And, 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 and before God rescued Lot, Abraham asked God a question. He said, now God, and I'm paraphrasing, my nephew is down there. Will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And if you read the text in Genesis 18, God's answer was, no, I'm not going to destroy the righteous with the wicked. And then he said, what if 40? What if 30? What if 10? What? And God said, I won't do it. Why? Because God doesn't destroy the righteous with the wicked. And then the plagues that came on Egypt, Israel, Israel didn't experience that. Israel's in Goshen. God delivered Israel. The Bible says in Nahum 1 that God reserves his wrath for his enemies. And then there's a text that I like for you to read. I like for you to read this. I don't have time to read it. But in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 9, God says that he did not deliver the angels who rebelled, that those, those angels who rebelled with Lucifer. He put them in prison. God delivered Noah, a righteous man. God delivered Lot. And then the Bible says in the ninth verse that the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. 
and reserve the wicked for judgment. The Bible says that God delivers the righteous. So if God is judging, what's up? Because it's not just unsaved folk who are dying. It's saved folk who are dying. I even heard about a pastor the other day who died with the coronavirus. Was God judging him? Was God judging those people in that church? Who, who, so, and then why them? Where's the deliverance for Christians? Because when I read the text in history, God always delivered his people. He didn't just pour out judgment on everybody. It's not scriptural. He didn't pour out judgment on Noah. He didn't pour out judgment on Lot. He didn't pour out judgment on the Israelites in Egypt. They were in Goshen. The things that were happening to the Egyptians were not happening to God's people. So if God is judging, why are lost, why are believers dying if this is God's judgment? Fifth question. What about the redemptive work of Christ on the cross? Was Jesus' death enough for God? Listen what the scripture says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It said, but God commended his love toward us. Romans 5, 8. He commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 9 says much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We shall be saved from wrath, judgment through him. So when, when, when God poured out his wrath on Jesus, that was judgment. Jesus died, was separated from the Father, went to hell for three days and three nights. That wasn't enough? So, so Jesus wasn't enough. So God got to judge all of us. Even though we believe on Christ, he's got to judge all of us. Scripturally, it doesn't make sense to me. And then what about Hebrews 10, 14? It says, for by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Well, one offering. So the question is, if God is judging us, all of us, he's just judging everybody, then Jesus' work on the cross wasn't enough for God. It wasn't enough. Now, I want to, I want to, I want to, Get back to our text before I close. I got to get back to our text before I close. And I want you to, I want you to follow me on this. I'm near finishing now, but I want you to follow me on this. I want you to, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 61, and I want to read the text that Jesus quoted. And then I want to, I want to look at Luke 4, 19 through 20. I want to read the text and I want to show you something. And 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 if you don't get anything out of Anything I've said about judgment, I want you to listen to this. In Isaiah 61, verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, open of prison to them that are bound, 
verse 2. I want you to look at Isaiah 61, verse 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now listen at that. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what Jesus was quoting. Now watch this. And you got to read Isaiah 61, 2. You got to read it now. Because Jesus says, and he said, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. The day of vengeance of our God. There, there are two things. And then it talks about to comfort all that are mourned. So there are three things. The acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance, and to comfort all that mourn. Now, let's look at Luke chapter 4 again, and I'm going to share something with you. And this is the bottom line on why I don't believe God is judging us in this season. Listen at this. In Luke chapter 4, and notice what it says in verse 19 and 20. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord, and he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now I want you to notice something that's conspicuous in his absence. In verse 19, Jesus said to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. But notice he didn't say anything about the day of vengeance. Same text. Same text. Now watch this. When we look at, when we read Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 2, Jesus stopped in the sentence after the words, the acceptable year of the Lord. In his preaching in Nazareth, when he got to the acceptable year of the Lord, he stopped. He stopped. Now watch this. By doing this, he was showing that his work would be divided in two advents or two comings. Watch this. His first advent, his first coming into the earth, would have to do with the, with the acceptable year of the Lord. His first advent. He said this day, his first advent, his first coming into the earth had to do with the acceptable year of the Lord. His second advent, which hasn't taken place yet, has to do with the day of vengeance. This second advent is when God is going to judge unbelievers. God is going to also Judge in the tribulation period. God is going to judge in a favorable way the godly remnant of Israel. And God is going to comfort all those who were saved during the tribulation period. That day has not come. The judgment, the tribulation period has not come. So that's why when he stood up in Nazareth, he stopped at the acceptable year of the Lord and didn't mention anything about the day of vengeance because that day is not this season. It's not this season. Listen to me. 
What we should be preaching is not judgment. We should be preaching the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee, the season of God's favor. We should be telling people good news, good news to the lost. God want to favor you. God's favor is there. Jesus has already died for you. We should be telling the sick. God has already bore your sickness. And I'm not talking about just Christians. The Bible says we're to go into the world and preach the gospel to the world, to sinners. We're to preach good news to sinners. And we're to tell unbelievers who are sick that it is God's will for you to be healed. Jesus paid for you here. And we're supposed to lay hands on sick sinners. The text wasn't talking about us praying for us. God intended for us to walk in favor, us to walk in help, us to walk in deliverance. We're supposed to be ministering this favor to the laws. Yeah, pray for laws, people who are sick, and tell them God doesn't want you to be sick. God doesn't want you to die. This is the time of favor. It is not the time of judgment. It is not the time of judgment. It's the time of favor. It's the time of favor. It's the time of God's favor. God want to do something good for you. We're not in that season yet. Now, there's going to be a time where we're going to be in that season. The day of the vengeance of the Lord is a real thing, but this is not the season. Thank you. Trust that you were blessed through uh, the lessons today.